By the way, if anyone here is in advertising or marketing, kill yourself. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Thanks. Just a little thought. I'm just trying to plant seeds. It's the end of the world as we know it. I feel fine. Good morning, slaves, and welcome to another edition of It's the End of the World as We Know It and I Feel Fine, where we proudly say, God damn America. I'm your host, The Stimulator, and with Barack Obama picking up some key endorsements, I felt I needed to even out the playing field. I, The Stimulator, hereby endorse Hillary Rodham Clinton as the best candidate to lead our nation, protect our freedom, and rescue our bankrupt economic system. Mrs. Clinton has the most experience and her track record shows that we are indeed lucky to have her as a choice to become president of this great goddamn nation. <laughs> okay, okay, April Fool suckers. Senator Hillary Rodham Clinton. She seeks the office of the presidency. I'd like to call her as a witness and ask her the briefings she received. She has claimed over and over again that she had no basis upon which to judge the veracity of the president's statements. She is a liar. I briefed her staff personally. I sought to brief her personally on this issue. I call her a liar in the same way I call Senator John Kerry a liar. I briefed him in person. I spent a lot of time in Washington, D.C. Briefing senators and representatives on the issue of Iraq's weapons of mass destruction program. It was a truth they found inconsistent with their political future. You see, their political future depended on their ability to support the notion of Saddam Hussein as an evil worthy of military interventions. That was former UN weapons inspector Scott Ritter. Mr. Ritter was tasked with finding and destroying all weapons of mass destruction and WMD-related manufacturing capabilities in Iraq. As we all know, those WMDs were nowhere to be found, and Mr. Ritter knew this, and felt his responsibility to alert the motherfuckers in the government, including the woman who would like to answer the White House phone at 3 a.m. It's 3 a.m., and your children are safe and asleep. Who do you want answering the phone? As we saw a few weeks back, it's been well established that Hillary is, as Mr. Ritter put it, a liar. We landed in one of those corkscrew landings and ran out because they said there might be sniper fire. I don't remember anybody offering me tea on the tarmac when that was happening. The welcoming ceremony had to be moved inside because of sniper fire. I remember landing under sniper fire. We basically were told to run to our cars. Now that is what happened. If I really believed that elections changed anything, I would endorse a candidate who opposed the Iraq war from the beginning, and one who happens to be an African American. Today, I am announcing my campaign as a Green Party candidate for President of the United States. Not only is rabble-rouser Cynthia McKinney running for the big office, but also the Democrats' biggest nightmare. Dissent is the mother of assent. And in that context, I have decided to run for president. Do you hear that? Listen closely. That is the sound of Hillary and Obama's sphincters tightening. 
in global warming news, a big-ass chunk of ice, about seven times the size of Manhattan, broke off from the Wilkins Ice Shelf in Antarctica and fell into the ocean. Scientists from the British Antarctic Survey say that the entire ice shelf is now hanging by a thread. And if the melting continues, a bigger chunk of ice the size of the state of Connecticut could fall into the ocean. In economic news, protesters took over the lobby of investment bank Bear Stearns to let motherfuckers know that they are not down with the Fed bailing out those rich sons of bitches in Wall Street while many low-income Americans lose their homes. And speaking of the newly homeless, a tent city made up of many folks whose homes have been repossessed has sprung up outside Los Angeles. The city of Ontario in California has been flooded with over 400 peeps looking for a safe place to set up camp while they figure out their next move. But the U.S. might not even be good enough for the super poor. Illegal immigrants trying to escape economic hardship in the U.S. are heading north to Canada. The city of Windsor, right across the water from Detroit, has seen an influx of Mexicans and Haitians we just can't make it in the US anymore. How embarrassing. I wonder if when things get really fucked in the States, will white Americans encounter a wall on their way to Canada? Bush had a bearded man on his squad. So much power from oil money that poor folks can't sit by him. No problem, Osama. Been lighting, been hiding. So long that them pictures all starting to look like him on them milk cartons. Don Amish made comments that made everybody forget about him. That's him and the Nicole got pregnant and had kids by him. Rest in peace at Virginia Tech. Too many innocent kids dying. Well, let's just blame hip hop and act like that's the big problem. I would give you news about Katrina, but you know I can't talk about Katrina. Cause every time I talk about Katrina, they look at me like it's a misdemeanor. Anyways, there's way more important stuff that we can discuss. George Bush is playing golf, everybody hush, he's about to play. Gas prices raise as the money keeps burning. Dropout rate rising, so what are they learning? Sending the troops in the war, so I turn it to today's evening news. As the world keeps turning slow, turning slow, turning slow. As the world keeps turning slow, turning slow, turning slow. Yep, I was as surprised as you are. But that was superstar rapper Chameleon dropping some dead serious rhymes about the state of the world. In the days since rap music was taken over by the corporate bloodsuckers that dominate the culture industries, it's a rarity to find such gems as that Chameleon track. Most of the best political hip hop resides in the underground. Many folks find out about underground cultures by chance. Either they get invited to a punk show in someone's living room or are exposed to a piece of graffiti under a bridge. The underground is not motivated by profit and hence it produces cultural artifacts that defy the way we look at things. But the corporations know this and have agents on the streets researching and investigating the motherfucking underground in order to use its achievements as marketing tools. To find out more about how Nike, Sony, and other greedy capitalists use punk and hip-hop to sell shit back to us, I spoke with Anne Elizabeth Moore, ex-editor of the now-defunct Punk Planet magazine and author of Unmarketable, Brandalism, Copyfighting, Marketing, and the Erosion of Integrity. So, Anne, how the fuck are you? Uh, damn well, thank you. In your book, you talk about brandalism and graffiti. Just what the fuck are you talking about? Brandalism is, of course, vandalism that is done for corporate marketing purposes. Graffiti is simply mashing the words graffiti and add together to make the new word graffiti. But it is also done for corporate advertising purposes. 
So can you give me an example of graffiti? Graffiti, the example I write about in my book is uh, the Sony PSP campaign where Sony overnight in six cities throughout the United States threw up a whole bunch of pieces that were in fact really carefully designed big-eyed kids in the sort of great actually pretty cute hip-hop style of wide-eyed kids riding or playing with Sony PSP gadgets as if they were sort of vehicles of active play. They went up overnight in standard graffiti urban areas and uh, people thought that they were real graffiti. Can you give me the lowdown on Nike's major threat ad campaign? Nike actually took a minor threat ad and reshot it with several Nike logos and used it to advertise a skateboarding campaign that they cleverly called Major Threat and then slapped up the posters all around Washington DC and pretty much committed uh, likely copyright violation probably definitely trademark violation in doing so and somehow got out of it with an apology. Most peeps out there think Star Wars is pretty rad but can you tell me about how Lucasfilm used underground techniques to promote their flicks? They sent out a, a whole bunch of packages to various artists and bands and labels and magazines like the one I got at Punk Planet in June of 2005 that basically requested that the recipients sticker bomb their favorite hangouts with all these cool Yoda stickers to advertise Revenge of the Sith. And people did it, as I explain in the book, which was evidenced by the fact that I would walk around my neighborhood around Punk Planet and see crazy stencils and stickers and people wearing these t-shirts that they had sent, all stuff that came directly from Lucasfilm. Of course, the problem with this is that the people who are paid to make the work in the first place and design the stencils and the t-shirts and the stickers, they're fine. They did the work, they did what they were paid to do, but what they were convincing young kids to do often is to go out and do the actual job of marketing the stuff, which of course in many cases is illegal to put stickers on public city property um, or to vandalize a city street. And they weren't obviously going to pay these kids anything. So. The problem becomes then that they're actually exploiting youth cultures and exploiting the underground in order to then steal the mode of communication that the underground uses to make a profit that we will never see. Is this corporate takeover of underground culture new? <laughs>